again. Thank you, Lord. Y'all good? <laughs> yeah. The Lord doesn't really want old people to suffer. Do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I have this, uh, these messages I've been doing. This is the third one on hearing God's voice. And uh, who remembers the last one I gave? It's been a couple of weeks ago. Anybody remember? What was, it, what was the main point of that, Denise? What you should not do. Huh? Sulk too much? Well, talk. You should not. I was talking about studying the Bible. Remember that? About studying. Don't study the Bible. I know that's a radical statement, but you're not to study the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, let's reason together. Uh, it's the spirit that quickens, the flesh profits nothing. That's what the Bible says. So if we en endeavor to learn the Bible just on our own or study the Bible, we're, it's just a waste of time. And basically, we need the Lord to help us. But the Lord does help us, and uh, He will give us, you know, if we meditate on the Word, which there's an element of study and meditation, God will speak to us through the Word. And so I hope... You know, one of the things that we just... What I want to do is I want to encourage Bible reading in the church. And uh, the, last week we did the kids, and, you know, kids are real honest. Say, so how, many, how many in here read the Bible regularly? And they'll just flat tell you that the ones who don't do it. They just... They don't lie about it. Now, you ask a bunch of adults, they ain't going to tell you. They ain't going to... No, I don't read the Bible regularly. They won't raise their hand. But the kids will. Uh, but we really want to encourage everybody to read the Bible. And that's really an important thing about our spiritual spiritual life is having a life in, in the Scripture. So if you're not reading the Bible regularly, you should ask the Lord to just give you some revelation on that. And read the Bible with God. Invite Him into your reading. And when you read the Bible with God, suddenly God starts talking to you through the Bible because that's one of the ways He wants to talk to us. And it's guaranteed. Amen? But this morning I want to talk to you about uh, how God, you know, that God speaks to us about the future. Okay? And, and He really does do that. Um, and I want to read this verse, John 14, 1 through 2. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. And so that's how Jesus talk, starts off uh, communicating about the future. Let not your hearts be troubled. Because there's troubling things in the future. Just like in this situation here, these guys had some troubling things coming their way. But the Lord was telling them right up front, don't, don't be troubled. So I think that's really important. <laughs> the first thing I want to make clear to you this morning, I believe there's troubling things ahead of us in our future. And the, but the Lord's saying today, don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many dwellings. Now we know in the Bible that the Bible teaches us that we're the dwelling. Individually, we're a dwelling place of God. Each one of us individually as, as believers, we carry the, the Holy Spirit around with us. We're a place where God lives. We're a place where God wants to reflect you know, heaven through each one of us. And that's really, 
you know, really key for us to really get that revelation that we're carrying heaven around in us, and God wants to release it. Also, you know, the church, there are going to be churches, and I don't think every church, I'm just going to be 100% honest with you, I don't believe every local church is going to be this way, but I believe when the Lord comes back, they are going to be churches literally where the glory of God is manifest in those churches on an ongoing basis on this earth. Okay, now I don't believe all of them will be that and I, because you have to make a choice towards that. You have to make decisions towards that as a, as a local church to be that place. And, uh, you know, we're, we're wanting to be that place. That's, we're trying to make those decisions. But I believe the Lord, you know, this thing called the Father's House, this is really where I got the name of it right there, Father's House. It's right there in verse 2. I stole it right out of the Bible. There's nothing new. Father's house. I plagiarized the Bible. But that vision was really a vision from the Lord. And I was just thinking this week about how the Lord gave me that vision. Not, you know, the moment, you know, there was a certain specific moment where I really got it from the Lord. It was just crazy. I mean, it was the craziest thing in the world when I got it. When I think, because somebody had recently, uh, an architect said he had never seen a vision like that. And where did you get it? When he said that, I thought, yeah, where did we get that at? I'd for, sort of forgotten in my mind. But I remembered, you know, the Lord just downloaded it into my mind in an instant. It just sort of, but there was a lot that went on in my life beforehand. You know, where the Lord really began to give me a greater revelation of God the, as my Father. And that's one been one of the great revelations of my life, knowing God as my Father, and how and seeing Him as my Father, and the healing and the deliverance that has come into my life through that revelation alone. And it has really profoundly impacted my life, and and it was just a precious time for me, how the Lord led me up to receiving the vision. In fact. How God led me up to it was probably one of the most precious things that I've ever gone through in my life, looking back on it. And uh, so I've had this in my heart, you know, just thing to emphasize the Father, because that to me is just such, it has been such a radical thing for me personally. And I believe it's a radical thing for all of us when we begin to know God as our personal Father on a revelational level that it can totally impact and change your life forever. It really can. And so um, that was what the Lord was doing in my life last year about this time. He, be, he was beginning to deal with me about it. But one of the things he's been dealing with me about this year, about this time, is the uh, absolute need for more of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit, we do not, we are, we are in desperate need of more of the Holy Spirit being manifested in the earth in desperate need. And no matter how much we think we have the Holy Spirit, which we are full of the Holy Spirit when we ask Him to fill us, and we do have all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get in the sense of when He came to live us, but we don't... There's a manifestation, there's a filling, there's an outflow, there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in and through us that we've yet experienced. And God is saying to me, Byron, you have to count the Holy Spirit as the most precious thing there is in your life. There's nothing more precious to you than anything. The Holy Spirit's the most precious one because without the Holy Spirit, there is no knowing the love of God the Father. You just won't know it. 
There is no knowing the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just, it just cannot happen apart from Him. Our Christian life is absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit. And God wants a people who are ravenous, ravenous towards the Holy Spirit. Just that they don't have enough of Him. It's not enough for me to get touched one time. It's not enough for me to get filled one time. It's not enough for me to have one experience with the Holy Spirit. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. That there's something in us that says, I've got to have more. I'm not satisfied. The day we become satisfied, we have, we've, we're going down a, a road of destruction. So the Lord has really been showing me that and showing me that the river of the Holy Spirit is truly a precious gift that He has given our church. It's precious. And we've got to count it as precious because the Lord said in, in, in Revelation 22, it says that river comes from the throne of God. It flows out of the heart of the Father on the throne. And it says it's of the Lamb, meaning it came from the side of Jesus. When Jesus was pierced in His side, that river began to flow. And that river is the Holy Spirit. The river is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's river. They're, they're the same. That's the expression. The river is an expression of the Holy Spirit that the Bible uses and gives us a, so we can picture the power of the Holy Spirit. And God is saying, this is a precious thing. Don't, don't take it light. And for you, you or I to take, take that river lightly, we are making a serious mistake. For you or I not to embrace that river, we are making a, we're making a mistake that will hurt us in our, in our lives and hurt our families. and So I just really want to encourage you about that. And um, I guess that's point number one. <laughs> yeah. But on May the 5th in 2006, I was driving to Wilmington, North Carolina, and I was listening to a message by, by a man uh, named Graham Cook, who's a British prophet preacher kind of guy, you know, and Graham Cook was preaching, and I don't remember everything he said in the message. I remember two things he said, but one of them uh, was very powerful to me, and he said these words, A quickening spirit is being released that will accelerate us into where we should be. Let me read that one more time. A quickening spirit is being released that will accelerate us into where we should be. At the time, I had never heard the term acceleration, used in spiritual terms. That's a physics term. Y'all know what that means, right? Force equals mass times acceleration. <laughs> That's from physics. Okay? So, immediately when I heard that, I hit the pause button on the message and stopped and said, Lord, I want that. I need that in my life. I need to be accelerated. Give me that. And knew God had really gave me, you know, put that in me knew that was just quickened like I say that was something God spoke to me I heard God speak to me when that man said it I said I want that yes I agree with you God that's what I want and I stopped and prayed and didn't listen to the rest of the message which I couldn't really tell you much more about the message um, it was a good message he's a you know the rest of it was good good instruction okay and I'd forgotten about that. And this week, there was a man who called me a few minutes after that 
a guy who'd kind of been in and out of the church, and I had called, his, called him earlier that day and left a message, and basically said, have you died or something, man? What happened to you? He just disappeared off the face of the planet. And uh, he called me back right after that, after, you know, that day on May the 5th, called me back and said, well, I'm just messed up. i got to go figure out my life, basically is what he was telling me. But this week, this guy, he lives in Mooresville, stopped by the church uh, Wednesday. Stopped by the church, came back. I've been thinking about you. I drive by here. I just wanted to stop by and say hello to you. And, you know, it was just hello, chit-chat. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Lord, you know, just what God's doing in my life, blah, blah. Okay, goodbye. We'll see you later. But you see, what it was was God was reminding me of that day and reminding me of what I heard that day. And when God began to move in our church last October 2006, a few months after May 2006, the first thing God said to me about what he was doing, he said to me, is you're not where you're supposed to be as a church, but I'm accelerating you to get you where you need to be quicker. That's what he said to me. Okay? I didn't remember the previous word from Graham Cook. Okay, until this week, I never thought about it again. And I just, and then I read later, Jonathan Edwards used that word acceleration a lot in the first grade away. And I just sort of, yeah, acceleration. You know, God's been, and that's really what God's been doing. He's been accelerating us, getting us from where we, where we are or were to where we should be. And He's still trying to get us there. We're not there yet, we haven't arrived. But the acceleration, God really wants to continue to accelerate people. So I want to encourage you that that really is a real word from the Lord. I guess that's point number two. <laughs> but let's read John 14, verse 27 through 30. And let me just show you this, you know, based on what I just, just talked about. This is what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives you, do I give to you. All right, let not your heart be troubled. Okay, get that. Let, and second time, he says those, that word, let not your heart be troubled, meaning there's something coming your way that's going to truck, gonna, you're going to be tempted to be troubled about it. Okay, so here's what I, I'm, I'm telling you. There's things coming our way that's going to be troubling, and we can be troubled by them. Okay? In fact, he added on to it this time, neither let it be afraid. Not only is troubling things come, things are going to come in our way, I believe, in our nation that's going to make us afraid if we're not careful. And it's going to trouble us if we're not careful. And the Lord wants to warn us ahead of time about these things. Okay? And it goes on and said, You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now, verse 29, this verse 29 is key. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Now that's the principle that Jesus gave us for, for, for prophesying the future. Okay? You know, the foretelling element of prophecy. You know, because there's the encouragement and the exhortation to come, but there's also the telling of the future. But the future telling is not for us. He didn't say, I'm telling you so you can get ready for it and you can be prepared for it. He, he said, I'm telling you so, when it happens, you're going to be, your faith is going to be released. Okay? That's what, what he does. He tells you something's going to happen, then it happens, so your faith can get released towards God, and you can be a person of faith, and you can believe God in whatever situation you're in. 
It's more of a heart thing. It's not a, you know, like a Y2K thing. You know, that's really the truth. In the Bible, they never did. They had a situation come with a man prophesied a drought over the whole world at that time. Guess what they did? They took up an offering. Guess what Americans did when they heard a bad thing was coming? Started hoarding everything to themselves. Now, there's something wrong with us. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, fear versus faith. So what God wants to do is release us into a place where the, when the future things that come our way, we don't get this mentality that can come on us by being afraid and troubled. And if we, if we you know, and that's what we'll do in the natural. That's what people do in the natural. Um, are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you about that? It's really important. Um, yes, ma'am. <laughs> So what the Lord wants to do is with the church, what the Lord's trying to do now with us is give us inward peace and give us inward health, okay? In order that when troubled times come, that on the inside, we're stable. And on the inside, we have the ability to know what to do in the situations that are coming upon us. And that's really what he's trying to do. That's one of the reasons God pours his spirit out in a place. If you go back and you study history, you go back and study the history of just this country, you're going to find this. God would pour out his spirit like the first great awakening. And guess what the first great awakening led to? It led to some people saying, we need to be an independent nation, which led to a war. Okay? God did it again in the 18, early 1860s. They call it the Second Great Awakening, which is the, the time period is a lot less defined because it was so spread out. And guess what that led to? It led to some people saying, slavery's wrong and we shouldn't have slavery in our nation, which led to what? A war in our nation. Okay? The 1900s, there was a revival which led to something, and what happened a few years later? Uh, World War I. 1930s and 40s, they were reviving our nation, and guess what happened? World War II. In the 50s, there was a healing movement, thing called the Latter Rain Movement, Korean War, Vietnam War. Okay? You see, God begins to move and do things. He's not doing it just for people to have a, a, you know, a joyous time, although I'm in for the joyous time. I'm all in for the joyous time. Church should be joyous. It really should be. Until, unless the Lord shows up and he's in a solemn mood. You know, if he's in a solemn mood, we get in a solemn mood with him. But he's not near as in the solemn mood as, as we are. But people have made God into a solemn. The Bible says he laughs. I'm laughing. I guarantee you God was doing this this week. When President Bush and all the people are gathering, they're going to figure out this thing about uh, Israel. The Bible says in Psalm 2, He's laughing. Oh, I'm laughing at those guys. They think they're going to do something. I'm going to undermine them. So he's got a, a laughing heart, really. That's why laughter is such a good thing, because God laughs. He gets mad sometimes. But I don't even know why I'm saying all that. But anyways, what the Lord wants to do, um, what I'm telling you is I heard God speak to me on May the 5th about acceleration. Okay, he spoke to me through this message. One little line in the message spoke to my heart. And I just simply responded to the Lord, and the Lord did that. Okay, that's 
so when I read that, I realized, oh, yeah, the Lord does speak, and I need to have faith. Now I'm, I want to share something else the Lord's spoken to me again, okay? And it was, a, and it was the same way. That's the way, you know, God speaks in many ways, but it just so happened He spoke to me again through just a message, okay, that somebody else preached, okay? And there was one part of this message, and the whole message was a great message, you know, it was, like I say, a lot of it's just good instruction, you know, which the Bible is really clear that, you know, being instructed in the Word, those are great things. But there's th- some things that God speaks to you. He's not instructing. He's speaking to your heart. And you know when He speaks to you. Okay? And I'm telling you, God spoke this to me. So this is why I'm sharing it with you. Because He spoke it to me. And that's all I had to say. <laughs> what else am I going to tell you? I'm going to give you something else He didn't speak. <laughs> I want to read this Matthew 24, 6 through 8 to you. And then we'll go through this part of it. It says, uh, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places... All these are the beginning of sorrows. These are like Jesus' promised words. <laughs> that sounds bad, doesn't it? Famines, pestilence, earthquakes, nations rising against nation. All right, and then in Luke 21, 28, which is Luke's version, ending version of the same message, uh, now when these things ha- begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. In other words, there's something happening, and Jesus was saying, listen, when these things begin to happen... You need to know that the kingdom of God is starting to come near to you. The kingdom of heaven is getting released into the earth. And you need to look up. You need to not set your eyes on this world. You need to begin to look up there. So um, that was really the beginning of it. Now, if you notice right now in the United States of America that the church in this nation does not have a voice of real authority to what's going on in Within politically or in the leadership of the country. Have you noticed that? We don't, there's no, no person or group of people, like in, in earlier times there were groups of people, whether you agreed with them, their, their spiritual perspective or not, it didn't matter. They had some authority when they spoke. You know, the Christian coalition, different groups, when they would speak, the people in charge had to listen to what they said because they had a God-given authority on them. Okay, but we don't have that now with nobody. There's nobody speaking that has any authority. And, of course, authority comes from God. Okay, I don't care who you are. If God doesn't give you authority, Mary Magoose was talking about this one particular presidential candidate who was speaking, and she said what he was saying was ridiculous. It was just stupid, you know. And Becky made the comment, well, that man has no authority. And that's why. It sounded ridiculous because he had no authority. But Ronald Reagan, back in the 80s, said some ridiculous things. Okay, he really did. But Ronald Reagan had authority on him. So his ridiculous things that he spoke, that authority gave credibility to the ridiculous things. And he was able to accomplish a lot in terms of leadership because God had given him authority. Okay? So right now, we don't have that authoritarian voice coming from the church at all. And I, I wasn't trying to equate Ronald Reagan. I was just trying to give you an example of, of authority. 
Okay, you know, authority is what gives weight to a person. You can have some great things to say or bad things to say. It doesn't matter, really. If you don't have authority, it doesn't matter. The authority is what makes it work. So, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, what's the, the, the focus on the family? James Dobbs, I mean, he's a great man, but his voice, nobody hears his voice no more. We may hear it. His voice, and it's not because he's bad. He, God has just removed the authority. The guy down in Florida, Kennedy, James Kennedy, died. Like him or not, that man had authority when he spoke to this nation. Okay? There's men out there trying to speak to the nation, but they're, nobody's listening because God's removed his authority off of them. I'm talking about Christian men, Christian believers on a national scale. Bob Jones said this. He said that even from the prophetic stream, there's not a clear trumpet call coming right now from the prophets in America. There's no clear trumpet call going to the nation. So really we're at a bad spot, it would seem, as a nation. You know, but the Lord's, by, you know, the Lord's at work. Okay, I'm not dialing God out. I'm just trying to give you a picture of where we're at. You know, so we can, you know, at least pray, pray better. Josh McDowell, these guys heard Josh speak a few weeks ago. You know, Josh McDowell is a spiritual father to young people in this nation. Been a spiritual father for years. Has greatly impacted some of the, you know, directions of the young people in the body of Christ for years. I mean, we'd all highly esteem Josh McDowell. And if we would listen to what Josh would say, because he has a voice. But you know what he's saying? I don't have an answer for the young people. Here's a spiritual father, the people we're depending on to give us wisdom, saying, I don't know what to do. It's so bad. You know? I mean, to, to me, you're, you're saying, I'm sitting back looking at this thinking, man, gosh, when Josh McDowell says that, we're in trouble. I'm, hey, Josh, look, we're kind of looking to you. You're a father, a father in the faith, a man of wisdom. You've poured your life out for these young people for years, and you have come to the point where you're saying, I don't know what to do for them. I don't know what the answer is for the America's youth because they're, they're in such bad shape. I just don't know what to do. So, um, so I heard this message by this guy named Lance Walno. Okay, he's like a Christian businessman. Okay, and this he told this story in this message. This is really where. So I was listening to the message, just like I was dr driving there. Except this time I was in the gym with my MP3 player. So I hit my pause button on the MP3. I'll, I'll show you where I hit it. I had like, whoa! I just heard the Lord. But he told this story from 9/11, and the story basically is this, best I can recall, is you know he was in one of the towers that had been hit. Well, not him, but this man, this window washer man was in an elevator in the tower with five high-level business executives in the elevator going, doing, going to work, doing their business. And, of course, the elevator stops because the, the building gets hit, and nobody knows what to do. You know, bottom line is they find out they're in trouble, you know, making phone calls and stuff with their cell phones. Well, the businessmen are, you know, clawing at the walls, not knowing what to do. Well, the, the window washer was the believer... And the window washer figured out what to do, you know, opened up the doors, you know, busted through the wall there, and led those men out of the building as the building was collapsing. Okay, and this guy's point was, well, look, five minutes earlier, these guys were, the, they were on top of the world. This window washer was a piece of trash in their eyes. 
I mean, the window washer probably was thinking, I don't even know if I'm going to get my rent paid this week. These guys were probably worried about which boat they were going to ride that weekend. You know, because they were on top of the world. They were making million-dollar decisions. They had it all together in a three-piece suit. Here's just some nobody guy. But suddenly, this thing happened and everything turned, and the real leader rose up in that hour. And it was the window washer. It wasn't the executive. That was his, the story told. And I'm not going to really try to... I don't want to try to preach what he did. So what I did is I got what he said. And I'm going to share that with you. I got a quote from him. This is powerful, man. This is very powerful. This is what Lance, this is what Lance wanted. Lance told that story. There's a lot more to it, but I'm just trying to get the, the point to you. He said, in a crisis, you know, earthquake or tsunami or so forth, the first business of spiritual leadership is to define the empowering meaning in what is happening. That's the first business of, of, of spiritual leadership. Okay, people's emotions and feelings are all over the place, rightfully so, in a crisis. Leadership has to gather people together. Okay, that's, that's what the leaders need to do, gather the people together so they know what's going on. The earth, all right, now this is important, the earth is convulsing as the kingdom is coming. Now his point was, as the kingdom of God is coming, it's, you know, there's a clash between dark and lightness, and that's creating difficulties, that's creating earthquakes. That's crea- Listen, we have a convulsion in our area. It's called drought. It's called, that's why we should be asking God this. Well, I'm saying, Lord, I want the drought to break. Please break the drought. But Lord, how, am I supposed to do something about this drought? What do you want me to do about the drought, Lord? Because there's something going on. Am I really supposed to pray to it within, or is it necessary? I'll get to that in a moment. See, we've got to start listening, paying attention to what's going on and praying with wisdom. I don't want a drought. I don't want my water to dry up. But there may be something greater at hand that we're not seeing. Okay? All right, so then he goes on. That is the empowering meaning you must never forget. At least you keep praying to stop things that Jesus said must come. Now, Jesus didn't say they're going to come in all the rest of the world, but not in the United States. He said these things must come. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, and pestilence. He didn't say they're going to be over here, they're going to be over there. He said they're going to come. Okay? They're going to come in the world. We're at, not just in Bangladesh. You know, some far off place like poor souls, we'll send them a hundred bucks and hope they'll be okay. He said, they're coming. These things are coming. Okay? So we've got to, number one, understand that and know how to pray accordingly in those situations. I can promise you there's people in Bangladesh that had that big, whatever it was, that happened to them recently. Yeah, typhoon. They're thinking, y'all thinking about a drought? You're worried about that? And we just got daggone flooded away. We, you know, a dang storm that came in and about, you know, killed all these people. Then he goes on and says, in a room full of questions, the person in the room with the answer is always the leader and can take over. In a room full of questions, the people with the answer, answers are always the leader and can take over. Okay? Now that's, that's a crisis. A crisis is happening. Who has the answers? In the elevator, it wasn't the high-level executives that had the answer. It was the low-level Christian wish, uh, uh, window washer. Okay? He's the one who brought the answer to the situation and saved those men's lives. It wasn't the men. Okay? Your, and he said, your light will shine. This is a direct quote from, from this thing. Okay? 
All right, we, all right now this is, this is where the Lord, I heard the Lord speak to me. Right here, we must prepare for further shakings. We must prepare for further shakings. I believe God is saying to the church in America, you've got to get ready. There's more shakings coming to this nation. And if you think there are not, you're living in, a, in an illusion, a delusion. There are shakings coming to the United States of America just like they are in all the world. And we as the people of God must realize that and, and, and prepare our hearts for those things. Okay? We must prepare to lead. In the moment of crisis, God levels the field and the people who know what to do are in a position to take over. Listen to this statement. Now, this is really where the Lord really got me. That's how God is going to touch America. In the crisis in, of the elevator, and you or I are in that elevator, and God wants to save those people's lives. And He's looking, are you going to be able to do that? Or are you going to be so messed up that you can't do it? You're going to be swept away in the shakings. Okay? You're going to get sucked in and pulled down emotionally like everybody else. Okay? Because God wants to touch our nation. Okay? All right, now get this. The soul not reacting to circumstances. Remember, Jesus said, He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. That's what he said about the future. In other words, is your soul in a place of health when those situations come that they're not going to blow you down? I mean, that's a pretty serious question. What would you have done in that elevator? I don't know. You know, what will you do at that moment? What will I do at that moment? You know, I mean, that's really where, where God wants to bring us. Uh, the soul not reacting to certain, but resourceful and yielding itself to finding solutions that got them to where they had to go. Yielding, go back to that with me. I want to put that word up there. I want you to see that word. Yielding itself. In other words, being, being able to, in the middle of a massive crisis, being able to quieten yourself on the inside enough to hear the Holy Spirit in you and know, oh, because you have allowed the Holy Spirit to work in your life and do in His life in this day of no crisis, and you've learned to hear that little voice in you, that little bubble in you, that little flow in you, that's the Holy Spirit. I know it's his, the Holy Spirit by, by the experience that I've had with Him. That's what we're, I'm going I'm to obey that voice, even though it may sound contrary to what we should do. But I'm going to do it anyway. Because most, lots of times, maybe most of the time, when He says something, it sounds sort of contrary to, to the natural logic. But let's go on and do the next one, Brian. That's why, all right, and this is where I want to get you. I want to get some of y'all. I want to get us. I want to get me in this. That's why the recent waiver of inner healings is so important. To increase our capacity to handle situations, he has, he has to remove the trigger reactions in us that we've had our whole lives. Trigger reactions. I'm talking about people who've got issues in their heart that you get mad, you come to church and they play the music too loud, you have a trigger reaction. What are you going to do if there's a, people dying around you? I mean, you know what I'm saying? And so that's what the Holy Spirit has been trying to do. It's not that He just, and I want to be careful how I say this because I believe salvation in terms of people coming into the kingdom is always on God's heart and, and healing and deliverance. 
you know, he wanted to do that. But there's also this other aspect is people have things in them, bad things in them. Christians do that keep them messed up, and the enemy knows how to touch those buttons in them. Say a certain word or do a certain thing, and they, they get set off. We're talking about sincere, believing Christians. And that's one, one of the things that God's been trying to do is heal people's lives. Heal us. Heal us so those things won't be there no more. To remove that out of our lives. Because, number one, it would be just good for us, and He loves to do that. He wants you to be that whole sozo. You know, that's why sozo is such a great word, whole, healed, delivered, well on the inside. But He's also trying to prepare us for something bigger. He's trying to prepare us to be those leaders in the earth. He's trying to prepare us to be those lights in those moments of crisis. That's what the Lord's trying to do. That's what, he's, that's what I hear God saying to me. He's saying, I ain't just releasing this Holy Spirit river to you guys. There's something bigger behind this. There's something more to this than just what you're thinking there is. This is a bigger thing. And you may think it's foolish in your mind, which we all do because what God does is foolish to our natural mind. But he said, no, there's something greater to all this. And it has to do with this, that God, there's shakings coming. There's shakings coming to America that's going to affect us. And he's saying, I'm looking to have a people that won't get sucked into the shaking and can stand up at that moment and know what to do. I think Daniel says that, you know, people who know their God will do great things. You know? And he said, now's the time today to know me. Now's the time to let me have my way in your life. Let me have, a way in, let me have my way into your heart. Let me have my way into your life. You know, we think, well, I, you know, I got touched by the Lord three weeks ago, or I don't like this or that. All that's just no, that's nonsense. Don't go there. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God is saying, don't do it. He's saying, now's the time to let him do what he needs to do in your life because there'll come a time, I think there's another scripture that says, in the flood of many waters, now that's a negative water, there's not an answer. In other words, in the moment of crisis, that, that ain't the time, you know, like the old saying is, when, the, when it's raining and the roof's leaking, it ain't time to try to fix the roof. <laughs> you should have fixed it when it was dry. Some of us have leaky, leaky roofs spiritually. Our stuff's pouring into our life from the world, and we need it fixed. And God's saying, fix it now. Fix it now. Now He's given us an opportunity. Yeah. The Lord wants to do that. That's, that's all of that, right? Uh, no, it's not. All right, we must prepare ourselves for further shaking. In the moment of crisis, the people who know... Well, I, yeah, I just, In the moment of crisis, the people who know what to, to do, that is how God wants to use us in the crisis. Y'all hear that? I mean, that ain't no fun statement. I'm thinking, Lord, I like the acceleration word. <laughs> it's a lot better. <laughs> that didn't sound bad. When I was here, I think, I don't really like this word, Lord. I believe this is what God's saying. I believe this is what God's saying because I believe God wants to touch our nation. I really do. So I was listening to this message. Uh, actually, the person who gave it to me said it was something for Lee Park. <laughs> I didn't get that off at the 
I got this out of it. Then, let me, I just want to tell you this. I don't normally recommend movies, but I want to recommend some movies. I, I listen to this message, then I watch these three movies, which is unheard of in my life. I watch three movies, and these movies were all about this, okay, about what I just shared. It was people in a crisis situation and what they did. So I was watching them, and they were all based on true stories. Every one of the movies. You know, I listened to that and felt like the Lord speaking to me. You watch three movies, and it's all about it, and you're wondering, you're thinking, God's really trying to reinforce this to me. He really wants me to get it. One of them is called The Scarlet and the Black. It's a Gregory Peck movie. It's an old movie. And it's about when Germany occupied Rome, and this was a priest in the Catholic Church who just went against the Nazis and, like, took care of, like, 4,000 escaped prisoners, hit them, fed them, cared for them. I mean, risked his life. You know, went again, you know, the Pope even tried to get him not to do it and wouldn't force him not to. But, I mean, the whole movie was about the, how he did that. It was true, based on a true story. And actually, uh, the guy, the, not the SS officer that was trying to kill him the whole time, he who wound up in prison for the rest of his life, he wound up leading him to the Lord in the 50s. Because it said, at the end, this is a great thing, at the end of the movie, he said that, that SS guy had one person who visited him in prison for years. And it was that, that priest. Who led, I thought, man, that's profound. <laughs> you know, the SS all. But that was a great movie. And also, the other one was this Amazing Grace movie about the guy who ended slavery. William who? Wilberforce. You know, he was just this guy who just, against all odds, back in England, fought and defeat, kept coming back, kept going after it, kept going after it, kept going after it, wouldn't quit. And because of his efforts, you know, just brought, brought to end a great injustice, a great injustice that was happening in, in the world at that time. The one guy, one guy who would not quit, one guy who would not go with the crowd, one guy who wouldn't quit, one guy who knew what to do and when, when the pressure was on, wouldn't quit. And then the other one was a movie called Rescue Dawn. I can't believe I'm here recommending movies. Give me movie reviews. Rescue Dawn was a, based on a true story also about a man who was shot down over uh, Laos right at the very, very beginning of, war, of Vietnam War and was captured and put in a POW camp. And the whole movie is on how he refused to stay a captive. And when everybody, everybody else in there was just totally defeated and broken and beaten, he just wouldn't do it. And he actually liberated everybody. I think he's probably the only one who actually made it. But literally, he, this is a true story. He really, was, he really escaped and got rescued. Okay? And see, what God was saying to me is that there are crises coming, and are you going to be ready for them? And here's how you're going to be ready, Byron. It's when you humble yourself to what I'm doing, when you humble yourself to the Spirit of God and let Him have His way in your life. That's how you're going to be ready. There's no other way to get ready. Only He can ready us. Only He can heal our hearts and set us free and deliver us of all the hogwash that's in us. Because a lot of our stuff, we can't even seem to make it through you know, just doing normal church stuff without being mad at people or jealous or offended or feeling this or feeling that. I mean, just crazy stuff. What are we going to do when it really counts? When it's really important when we're stuck on the elevator or we're shot down somewhere, nobody to help us alone. 
Or you're trying to help other people who are just totally defeated and have no hope of living. And you're the only one there that can say, no, we can't accept this. We've got it. We're, there's a way out. It's by letting the Holy Spirit do what He does now. Because that's what God wants to do. That's what He's trying to do. This is, this is not a game we're playing. And so my thing is what I feel like God just wanted me to tell you that. Yeah, share that. Marlon's going to love this. I, I really think that I am going to entreat you to listen to Byron's message. I got a very, very strong prophetic confirmation of what Byron is saying, I think, while we were worshiping, we were singing that song about freedom. Um, I had a very strong vision come to me during that period of time. And what I saw, I did not understand until later a group of children gathered around me and started praying for me. And while they were praying for me, I've got this bondage on me that I had a surgery four years ago and now if I stand for more than like 30 or 45 minutes, I just get real searing pain in my hip. And so it's hard for me to preach and minister to people, to pray long enough over people. And so I, I was wanting this broken off me, but I don't want to make it too long. This is, a, a, this is what I saw, okay? I saw a grizzly bear a large grizzly bear who came walking, lumbering down to the edge of the river. And he went down into the river, and when he went into the river, he stood up and roared and shook himself. And I could see the water flying, but there were also fragments of chains that went flying. Now, I had not been able to see the chains that were limiting his movements because it was so embedded within his fur. And, but I, and I didn't understand this thing. But when the children began to pray, I felt like the Lord began to speak to me that there is an evil, malignant spirit at loose in the world today that fears the image of a bear, even if it's a small teddy bear. Because they know that the most powerful creature in all of North America in the natural was the grizzly bear. There is nothing else on the North American continent that compares with the power and might of the grizzly. What should be the most powerful thing in North America but the church? But we have subtly become entangled in chains that restrict our movements today in the political realm. You cannot declare yourself as a Christian. I saw a guy basically crucified this morning on a news interview because he declares himself to be a Christian openly and unashamedly. And they were just really cutting him apart because of it. But I saw the getting in the river and standing up and shaking the chains off of us is what the Lord is doing with us right now. 
And we need to shake ourselves so that in the time of shaking, we will not be shook up. But we will be that voice of emotional and spiritual stability that will have the answer in the room. Now is the time to get in there and even get those chains that are hidden that, you've, that you can't even see on yourself to get totally free of all of the things that cause those trigger reactions in us. We need to be free of that because a day is coming when the church needs to be able to stand up on its hind legs and roar. Somewhere about a year and a half ago, I sat with you and I said, the Lord wants you to know that your name has a special meaning. And you said to me, I've never liked what my name means. Why don't you tell everybody what your name means? Chihuahua. Just kidding. It's bear. Yeah. That's interesting. Just last night we were with some folks at dinner that um, had all the pastors over. Um, Joanne and Fran did that for us, and they had all of our names printed up on a little scroll and had the meaning of it. And so that's why we know Byron's name's Bear, so that's really interesting. So, Isn't that something? So, yeah. It also means from the barn. <laughs> He always hated his name partly because of his rural family would call him Barn. Barn. I heard that, so that's and it means that he hates me telling that look at him. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, I take that back. Don't let that out. <laughs> Amen. You got anything, Fonda? Right now is the time to of preparation. You know, it's so important because when the day of shaking comes, it's going to be too late to prepare. You know, some of us may be going through some shaking now, but I believe it's going to become more intense. So we really do need to yield to the Lord and let Him prepare us for what's ahead. Byron asked me to share this real quick. I guess it was about a year ago I had a dream, and it was of this hallway over here. And I was coming in the back door, and I opened the door, and Byron and some people were walking this way to go out this door. But I closed it really quick because there was a huge grizzly bear on its hind legs walking, like, kind of behind Byron. And it just frightened me because you don't see a grizzly bear on hind legs walking through the church. But I just wanted to share it to confirm that. So I really believe if, if there's anybody in here that really want the ministry team to come up and the, really today's the day for those chains to be broken off. You know, to get into the river, to get into the water, to get into the flow of the Holy Spirit and what He's doing, what He's saying. Yield to what He's speaking into your heart right now. And um, just be ministered to and receive that today and be set free. Also, that acceleration thing, I kept seeing this in the early service also is really feel like, you know, really all of this is easy. It's like, you know, on that, what do they call that thing at the airport where you get on it? 
and the, the tarmac, and it just takes you. You know, um, it's a faster way to get where you're going, and I just believe that's really, it's that simple. The things of God is just stepping into it. You know, He takes over and does the rest. And I believe in the Spirit, that's what He's doing. There's a spiritual tarmac for us. We'll just step in. He'll carry us and He'll accelerate us. You know, these, it's really all in the Spirit. It really is right there. So just want to encourage you with that. Let's just pray for people and uh, somebody else. Uh, I knew nothing about what Byron was speaking today, but when I came in today, I just felt that the Spirit of the Lord was upon me to just speak out the word authority and the release of authority into this church. And I just, it just wouldn't leave me. So, uh, uh, earlier today, uh, one of my friends, while I was on the floor, they saw a, uh, yard-long flaming sword in somebody's hand, and I think it means that God's gonna cut off the chains of the world, because... After he said that, I saw uh, a sword, the sword cutting through chains. So. I, I kind of think it's interesting that the barn and the bear is the same person because a barn is a symbol of provision. And I think what God's doing is providing us with information for the future through the bear. Amen. So come up and receive prayer and just uh, enjoy this time of preparation that the Lord's given us. Beyond us, God within us, reveal, yet we see in part, transcendent, but so near us. Mystery dwelling within our hearts. Father, Spirit, Son, only true God, exalted. 